Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Today, we are following along with our Rooted series, and we're talking about how do we make the most out of our life. One thing I really appreciate about Jesus is because, as the kids say, he understood the assignment. Jesus came to this earth, and he knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew that he came not to be served, but to serve. He knew that he was going to give his life as a ransom for many. And so at the end of his life, he was able to say, it is finished. He knew that he was able to set his mind towards his goal because he understood the assignment. My question for you this morning is, do you understand the assignment of your life? At the end of your life or at any point of your life, do you even know when to say it is finished? Do you even know when to say I have accomplished all that you have asked me to do, Lord? And if you don't, I pray that this message would be an encouragement for you. And I want to read that Jesus had a clear vision for his life in Mark chapter 10. So let's read about this story. It says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, another way of saying that is sons of thunder, which is a cool nickname came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They are hoping that he would just say yes before they knew it. he knew what the favor was. I like that trick, disciples. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Skipping to verse 41. When the ten disciples, the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. What? I want to sit next to Jesus. What are you guys doing? So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came. Why did you come, Jesus? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus said, I came to this world to serve. He understood his why. He understood his purpose. And it's so important that all of us understand why we are here on this earth. What is our purpose? At what point can we say, it is finished, I've accomplished everything that you've put on me to do? When you understand your why, you can endure. When you understand your why, you have strategy and plans that can be unlocked. That's why it's so important that, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in his great speech, he didn't say, I have a plan. He didn't say, I have a strategy. He said, I have a dream. He was painting a picture of a better world, a better why, something worth giving your life for. And Jesus, he understood the assignment from before he even put on human skin, being fully God and came to this earth, gave his life as a ransom. He died on the cross, absorbing sins, pain. 
He is absorbing all of the frailty of humanity among himself. And then he saved us by giving us a way out of death, by overcoming death itself and resurrecting. He understood the assignment. And this is very important. So my question is, at what point would you be able to say mission accomplished? And I'm not saying that you need to understand your purpose to be worthy to God because your purpose in serving isn't attached to your worth. You are worthy just because you're a child of God. Amen? Amen. You're worthy because you're a son, you're a daughter. But if you're walking through life and you feel like life has no meaning, if you feel like you don't understand your purpose, if you don't understand why you're here on the earth, it's going to make you feel a little bit lethargic. Why am I even alive? Why do, I, why do I exist? And Jesus, he was able to understand his why, and his why was connected to serving. The same thing applies for us. You're going to find your purpose when you discover the power of serving like Jesus did. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we live in a reality where serving is kind of going out of style, where we're all about self-care and not serving others. We, we have glorified, I think, self-care at the expense of other care. We have glorified self-care at the expense of God care. And, and this is dangerous. You know, uh, a while ago, around the time my dad was about to retire from his job at Delta, I read this statistic that really scared me. It says this. A study of Shell Oil employees found that those who retired at 55 and lived to be 65 died 37% sooner than those that retire at age 65. And in general, people who retire at 55 are 89% more likely to die within 10 years than those that retire at 65. And so my dad is retiring at the same time I'm reading this stat. I'm like, Dad, I don't want you to die. Don't retire. He's like, what are you talking about? I've been working my whole life. I'm going to retire. And I'm going to move to an island in Florida. And I'm going to drink on the beach. That's my life now. I'm like, Dad, if you do that, you'll die. He's like, son, shut up. What are you talking about? I read something on the internet, so it's true. And I was like, all right, all right, retire, live on the beach, drink your drinks, do all of that. But you got, you got to get a hobby. You got to get some sort of work. You got to get something going on. So I, I convinced him, along with my sister, to, to Uber drive. So my dad, in his retirement, he started Ubering, and he actually loved it because he hadn't been working. He was just sitting, and he began to feel bored, feeling like he didn't have anything to do, didn't feel like he had purpose, and he realized the value of serving, the, the value of having something to do, the value of accomplishment. And then when he started Ubering again, he, he began to love it. He was making friendships and going on adventures and, and felt like he had something to do besides whatever he wanted to do. He could help other people with his life. And uh, the crazy thing that happened is he began to see that autonomous vehicles were coming to take his job as Uber drivers. So we have a gig economy in America, and a lot of people are using Uber as a way in between jobs or having a flexible schedule. But there's something that's coming to America. It's called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And I don't want to scare you a little bit, but there are driverless cars amongst us taking away jobs from Uber drivers. Who has known about this reality? Anybody here? All right. We live in Bellevue. They are among us. Don't believe me? Let me show you a video from Andrew Jennings, who's right there. 
Here comes my fully autonomous taxi. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Dang, this thing's flying. Don't mind me. Just uh, taking a little Uber ride to Starbucks with uh, this guy is the driver. Turn signal, way to be safe. Uh, chicken, oh, I don't know. Did you look both ways, bro? Well done, Andrew Dennis. <laughs> and so, what is the fourth industrial revolution? Well, let me explain. You guys might think I'm crazy for talking about this, but in five to 10 years, you might call me prophetic. I believe that in America, in the world, there's coming a time where people will not be able to exchange time for money like we used to. Because the third industrial revolution was when we had a lot of the technology and industry that we enjoy today. And that's why we have Labor Day, because jobs are being taken away from people. People began to riot. People began to die. And they said, we need something different. And that's why we have Universal High School, free education, because people realized they needed a different education. They needed a different path out besides these old manufacturing jobs. Things had to change because technology was changing. But now we live in a time where artificial intelligence and automation is learning how to do jobs that we can do. You know when you go to Walmart and there's not as many cashiers as there used to be. You work with machines. In restaurants, there are fry cooks that are robot arms now. In hospitals, they're, they're taking away whole divisions and replacing them with robots and artificial intelligence. And so I think pretty soon in America, we're going to realize the privilege and the honor of serving, of how important it is for us to do something with our lives, with our hands, the honor of serving. And so when I saw my dad, he finally was in this routine of Uber driving again, and I saw the driverless cars could take this away, I began to worry about what is he going to do? And not, not serving doesn't make you less, it doesn't make you less worthy, but it takes away your purpose because our purpose is connected to serving. Just like Jesus, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Are you tracking with me? And, and, and I just, I realize in this nation right now, we are in a difficult time where People aren't able to afford a place to live because pay isn't what it used to be with inflation. And there's a lot of people quitting jobs. Have you heard of the great resignation, labor shortage and thing? And I understand that. I, I can have empathy for that because I graduated college in 2007, right before the 2008 financial collapse. And it was so hard to get jobs. And when you got jobs, they weren't enough to be able to live off of. And so more and more people aren't working. And when that happens, people fall into depression because they don't feel like they're worth anything. They don't feel like they have something to do. People don't feel like there's anything for them to accomplish. And this is not good. Even before sin came into the earth, God gave Adam and Eve work to do. Remember that? He gave them a garden to steward. He gave them animals to name with creativity. Work is a part of what we do. Work is a part of our humanity. It's important for us. We don't, we don't work to earn God's love. We don't work to become worthy, but God has dreams and creativity and ideas inside of us, and it's beautiful to see what people can accomplish with the gifts and talents he's put inside of us. Amen? Amen. 
But we're taught as a culture, the goal is just to work hard enough so that you never have to work again, right? You retire, and then you don't have to do anything. The goal of the American dream is to work hard enough to make enough money so that people have to serve you for the rest of your life. If I just get this retirement plan, then I can just go to restaurants and coffee shops and people can serve me, bring me food. I can go on these traveling trips. I can have these hobbies and people will serve me and I never have to work again. And so I wonder if these stats about people dying after they retire are connected. I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, but I think purpose and work is really crucial for us. Because we are all, I don't know, if we're under the sway of the American dream, we think the way we get the most out of life is by indulging the flesh and experience the most pleasure in this world. Yeah. We say, I have come to this earth to be served, the opposite of Jesus. I have come to this earth so that one day I can enjoy all the good things of this world. Or maybe we find our worth and feel like we make the most out of life if we, we become an influencer. And if, if people look at me and I'm famous and they follow me, then I, I've really lived a life worth living, right? Or some of us, we just think if we're really wealthy and rich, then we've made the most out of this life. But I'm just so encouraged by the example of Jesus because he didn't come to get the most out of life, but to give his life. And that's the example we follow. And in the kingdom, the way we, mo we make the most out of life is by giving and not getting. And so this is a whole wild mindset. And so the historical context for what Jesus said would have been radical. And I, I want to share this. And uh, point number one, I just want to say Jesus did not come to the world for self-care. And I know we glorify self-care. But in the world of self-care in case you haven't read the end of the Bible, uh, spoiler alert, Jesus dies at age 33. And in the world of self-care, Jesus isn't the best example because he literally gave his life, suffered on the cross to the point of death to help others. So Jesus did not come to the world for self-care. Let's read this again. In Mark 10, he says, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, as followers of Jesus, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Are you a servant? And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave. These are strong words, Jesus. A slave of everyone else. And Jesus wasn't exempt from this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so in this Roman and Greek culture, this would have been crazy. Because back then, humility was not honorable. In fact, the word humility was from this word hummus, which is not something great that you eat. It was the same word as dirt. Humility was mocked the way you achieve fame and status in this Roman and Greek culture is by flaunting your power, is by lording it over people. You are worthy if you had people under your sway and they listen to your directions. But Jesus, he says, yes, the world mocks humility, but I want you to be humble like me. I want you to serve the world like I'm serving you. And I'm not saying we have to have an inferior 
inferior mindset or feel like we're lowly and like just not worth anything. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, like I'm just junk, I'm just, I'm bad. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. How can I help others? How can I give my life to serve those around me? And this is a hard message for me. I, I, I was served my whole life being the firstborn son in a Sri Lankan family. I was used to people serving me hand and foot, cutting my food for me. I remember took a girl to prom, and I took her to a fancy restaurant, and I waited for her to cut my food because I was so used to my mom cutting my food for me. And she said, what? We're all dressed up. I gave her a corsage. I wasn't stingy. This was a nice night. It was a nice corsage. And we're at the dinner table, and she's like, don't you like your food? Why aren't you eating it? And then I realized it. I'm sorry, Jessica. I've been waiting for you to cut my food for me like my mommy and she's like, who am I on a date with? <laughs> and then she cut my food. Glory to God. <laughs> Never went out on another date with her again, though. <laughs> I'm used to being served. I, I love it. I love it. And here, I, I feel like I'm going to step on toes because I'm directly attacking the culture. But we, I feel like we, have, we feel the need in the church to convince people that self-care is important. And I don't have to teach a lot of people to be selfish. I'm going to be honest. I've never had to teach a kid how to be selfish, right? And it's like, man, most of our lives are for ourselves. Our jobs are so that we can keep the lifestyle that we want. Like our family, like we're the ones who wanted to have kids. And then we're like, oh, man, I'm a parent. Life is so hard because I have to take care of these kids. The kids didn't ask to be born. We made the choice for the kids to exist. That was a, I mean, we're trying to follow God, but we made the choice. You know, the how, oh, I have to take care of the house. You know, sorry, I, I just, I can't. You, nobody told you to buy the house. You wanted to buy that house. You wanted to buy that car. You wanted to have status in society. You wanted the job that you have. You wanted to live in an expensive city. You wanted to go to the nice restaurants and the coffee shops and wear the nice clothes. Most of your life is taking care of yourself. Yeah. It's silent now. <laughs> and then we serve someone else one hour of the week and we're like, oh, I need to get rid of that one hour because I just gotta, I gotta have more self-care. Can I get a good amen? Am I stepping on your toes? It's like, what? We're so deceived by the culture where we think we're not living majority self-care. But Jesus, at age 33, he died in the name of other care to give his life as a ransom for many. Don't get mad at me. Jesus is the one that says, if you want to be first, be last. If you want to be great, be a servant. And guess what? Servants serve more than an hour a month or a week. Yeah. A servant is at the beck and call of the master. But we don't want to be like that. I mean, let's be real. Most of us, we want more discipleship in the church. I want to go deeper. Can I be real? Most of us would hate being discipled by Jesus. Quit your job. Leave your family. Don't have a hotel. Let's go sleep in this dirt field for three years. Go feed 5,000 people for me. Yeah, come on. <laughs> like, give me your boat. <laughs> right? We would not want to follow. We want discipleship 
if it just gives us intellectual ideas. Put me in a Bible study, confuse me with theology, throw in some spiritual mysticism, and then I call that discipleship. But if we say give your life for the church to accomplish his mission, serve the local body of Christ, like give your money to the poor, like get out in there, go make some friends, have uncomfortable conversations, give 10 hours a week for the gospel, you're like, that's just too much. But I want to go deeper. No, you don't want to go deeper. You want to be entertained. You want to be a consumer. And that's why we live in a culture where we jump from church to church when we don't like what's being said from the pulpit. Because we don't want to be disciple. We want to be entertained. I mean, we would hate being discipled by Jesus. I mean, for all of you who say you want more of a discipleship process, have you ever given up three years of your life to sit at the feet of a rabbi? You haven't. Most of us, and I'm not trying to bring condemnation, but we need to align our minds with what Jesus says. We need to align our minds with what Jesus did in his example. And so it's just, maybe it's because I'm a pastor, but it's a pet peeve of mine when people say, hey, I just need to have self-care, and so I have to to give up serving others completely. And do do I believe in breaks? Yes. Do I believe in Sabbath and sabbatical? Do I believe in having healthy rhythms? Yes. Am I preaching a sermon to manipulate you so you would serve at Kalos? No. We have an amazing volunteer culture here with people who are giving their lives for the gospel. I'm so proud of this community. So don't receive this as a message of guilt if you want to take a break or about to take a break. I've taken breaks. I've taken it all. But overall, my life is a living sacrifice for Jesus. Living sacrifice. So I want, I want to share point number two. Self-care is impossible without self-share. you got to understand your purpose and what you were made for if you're going to properly take care of yourself. You know, Romans 12, it uses this language of self-sacrifice and living sacrifice. In Romans 12, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, just as like what Jesus did, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. We're uncomfortable with this language because this means we die. And like, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice. We sing that song, like, I want, I want to be refined in the fire. I want to be a living sacrifice. But can we be honest? We're like, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice burned in the altar of your fire. But we're like, we put a foot in there. We're like, I, I sacrifice my foot for you, Lord. You can have my Sundays. Lord, I sacrifice my hand for you. I will read this rooted book for you. Lord, we're, we're even now. You died on the cross, I'm reading this rooted book. We're good, right? No, but God calls us not to just like dabble in the fire. He says, get your full body in the fire. Let it burn you up. Let it consume you. Be a, it's morbid, awkward language. I mean, so many times when Jesus was preaching, he would say things like, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you, you can't follow me. And they're like, crap, I'm following a vampire. <laughs> no. And many people would leave Jesus. Like in John 6, 6, 6, it says, many people stop following Jesus because he was saying crazy things like this. Well, it hasn't changed 2,000 years later. He's still saying, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I still want you to die. And I, I'm not trying to sell you a watered-down gospel here. Christianity truly following Jesus means you, you give up your own will and desires and dreams, and you say, Lord, I'm following you. What is your purpose for my life? How can there be less of me and more of you? 
And so that's, that's what this language. So let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Not the world, not the culture, not your politics. God, I will sacrifice my life for you. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, so if you want to know the purpose and the will of God for your life, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you want to know the purpose of your life, the will of God for you, die. Become a living sacrifice. Dedicate your life, 100% of your life, to serving God, and things will come into view. You'll find your gifts and talents. You'll find your calling. You'll find some problems in this world you feel like God is calling you to solve. Because honestly, if you don't know why you're here on this earth, most of your purpose is connected to a problem that God wants to solve through you. It's serving. It's serving. It's serving. And I, I think so many of us are so afraid of burning out that we're not a living sacrifice in the fire of God. We're so afraid of burning out and so we rust out. Yeah. I mean, we have this 26-foot box truck. Anybody know our truck because we set up and tear down with amazing servant leaders here? Its name is Geraldine. We love Geraldine. And uh, uh, like three weeks ago, I got a call from Josh Martin. And he said, hey, I can't, I can't start the truck. It's not moving. And so it, it's raining. He, he calls me. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And then, so, so I was like, call Rachel Jennings. She, she was so, so in her age, she drives to the truck, and, and she, she has started this truck before and got it going. Can we give it up for Rachel Jennings? <laughs> Love it. But as, as Rachel's talked to mechanics in the past about this truck, they said basically the way you're treating this diesel engine is the worst. You operate this truck like for an hour on Sunday mornings, and then it sits the rest of the week. The worst thing you can do for this car's engine is not using it. And I think this is a commentary on a lot of our lives with God. We serve the Lord on Sunday mornings for an hour, once a week, and then the rest of the week, we just sit still. Anybody convicted? And this isn't a pitch for you to serve Kalos. This is a pitch for you as a follower of Jesus to serve the world like he did. To lay down your life. And so we're oftentimes so afraid of having unhealthy rhythms that we don't become living sacrifices. Yeah. We're so afraid of, like, burning out that we just sit and we rust out. And then when we go to start the engine, it just doesn't work. Many of us, we did grow up in the church. And think about the joy of your salvation. Those early days. Your glory days. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. How can I give back? And you felt alive in your faith. You were serving. You were witnessing. You were sharing love with others. You were praying for people. You were going on mission trips. You were going on church camps. You were just, oh, Lord, put me in. Get me off the bench. I don't feel alive sitting on the bench. I want to be in the game of faith. And so you're pressing in, and you felt like, God speaks to me. I'm alive in my faith. But then as we get older and we learn more theology and we know the right ways to do ministry, we aren't as active. And then we feel distant from God. Why am I here on this earth? What am I even doing? Is the church even worth it? It makes sense because we were built to serve. I love what Ephesians 2.10, we say this verse a lot. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Amen. Greek word for that is poem. God's placed us together. 
like a poem, so artistic, so intricate. We, and we like to end that verse there, but it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. Why? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And that's why Jesus was able to say, I have finished. It is finished. I've accomplished everything you had for me. I fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies. I knew the assignment. He knew that even before the foundations of the world, there was a plan of redemption through Jesus Christ that he would accomplish. Same with you. You are a masterpiece, but the Lord hasn't just placed you on this earth to just look good, even though you're doing a great job of that. He has works for you to do. His good things planned for you. There are dreams inside of you, businesses, projects, serving people. There are problems that the Lord wants to speak to you about solving. There are things that anger you, and you're like, somebody should do something. Maybe that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. He's created us to do these things. And so, yes, we need to be healthy, and I believe the best way we're healthy is by doing the things that our Creator has created us to do. If we don't move our engines it will die. Yeah. It will die. And so Jesus didn't try to get the most out of life. He tried to give the most with his life. This so is point number three. Our purpose isn't about what we can get, but what we can give. That's what our purpose is. And so he talks about being a living sacrifice and then going on in Romans 12 and verse 3, it says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. For those of you discerning what the path is for your life, ask this question that Bishop Robert Barron said, which path makes me most generous? That's a great question. If you want to know the will of God for your life, ask this, which path makes me more generous? Because God didn't even hold back his son. Jesus Christ, he gave his life so that all of humanity could be saved. He served others. He didn't come just to be served. And so I'm, I'm just so thankful for this community. I mean, we, my goodness, in a pandemic, this church is still alive, and it's because you did not give up on the body of Christ. I mean, last week we had over 400 people. I think we estimate about 50% unchurched people came to our service last week. People experienced the gospel, raised their hand for salvation. We set a kid's attendance record last Sunday. Can we give it up for Jesus? And that's because we're a community that says, I will lay down my life for the gospel. And more and more, our church is starting to look like the community we serve because we don't just have a vision for this church, but we have a vision for our region. Amen? Amen. Lord, how can I give my life? How can I serve your purposes? How can I not just come to church, come to this world, come to my life to be served, but to serve like you, Jesus? 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.